You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Forgot a joke last week. It's probably the oldest rabbi joke in the book, but there's a reason for that. It's a pretty good joke, even though you've probably all heard it. The joke goes, two men having this knockout, drag-down fight about who's right, and they go to the rabbi for a solution, right? So one of the guys goes to the rabbi, explains his case. The rabbi immediately nods his head. You're right, 100%. The other person feels it's worth a try. After all, the rabbi only heard one side. So he gives it his side. He gives the rabbi his side, that is. And he uh, presents it eloquently and well, the other person listening, but assuming that the case is closed. The rabbi thinks for a minute and says, you know, you're right. So there happens to be a third passerby and uh, sees the whole scene and is quite confused at what he's just seen. And um, he asks the rabbi, rabbi, with, with all due respect, they both can't be right. The rabbi responds, you're right as well. So that's the oldest rabbi joke in the book. If you hadn't heard it, it's a good joke, right? Um and there's a lot of truth to it. Last week, or two weeks ago, last segment, we spoke about parallel visions, parallel truths, specifically of two of the, the main protagonists in the Yosef drama, uh, Yosef and Yehuda. Today I want to speak about something else, and I'll let you know towards the end how it's connected to this week's Parsha and the essay that goes along with that. Um, I want to speak about nuance. I want to speak about situations where neither person is completely right. Sound familiar? Well, it should, because that's generally what happens. Uh, you really thought that you were 100% right, that the other person had absolutely no argument? We often fool ourselves into thinking that, but a little bit of careful, clear thinking reveal that not to be the case. There's told about Lord Balfour, who we know from the Balfour Declaration, but there's more to Lord Balfour than the Balfour Declaration. He was an important politician in England, parliamentarian, and he um, was known to be indecisive. Um, but in fact, he wasn't so much indecisive as thoughtful, meaning he heard the arguments on both sides. Now, that can be a curse as well as a blessing. If you're a politician, especially if you're a partisan politician, people expect you to take their sides, which I've always found very difficult to understand and quite confusing. A uh, long time ago, you can still probably, I'm sure you can Google it. In fact, it's on my old website, I wrote an essay called something like, I'll take Mark Hadfield. Mark Hadfield was a senator from Oregon who was a Republican who voted with Democrats more often than he voted with Republicans. And that's a man after my own heart. It can go the other way also. I'm just pleased to see that a politician, especially a politician, but anyone, can see the other side and not simply go with his group which we often do, and the group is not just political parties, 
uh, if there are two buildings that have a dispute over uh, land, a fence, whose responsibility is something uh, happens to be, it's a strange coincidence that everybody in one building will think they're right, while everybody in the other thing, building will think they're right. Strange coincidence. Um, in fact, Lord Balfour was a wise man who could see the points on both sides, meaning that there were legitimate arguments. Neither one was completely correct, and they weren't exactly parallel truths. Rather, they were conflicting truths, one of them being superior to the other. But the superiority would be a judgment call, meaning that uh, we'll get into percentages here, as it's quite useful, let's say, one group was 40% right and the other, the other group was 60% right. Um, as the percentages become closer, it becomes more difficult to make a decision. The problem is, however, that most of us are blinded not to see any correctness in the other side. Now, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, at least on the beta series, uh, wonderful, wonderful Maharal wonderful, wonderful observation, essay, or analysis, if you will, the Maral gives about the famous Gemara, Elu ve'elu divre Elohim chayim. The Gemara has a situation where there's an argument, of course, in the Gemara, in the Talmud, what do you have besides arguments? But this argument is special because uh, the badkol, a voice from the skies, intervened and announced that in this case, Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai, Elu ve'elu divrelohim chayim, that both these and those are the words of the living God, meaning that both are correct. However, the badkol was, after all, a Jewish badkol, and understood that this would be problematic, and says, nonetheless, the decision is according to Beit Hillel. We follow Beit Hillel, even though they're both correct. The Maral says it's a very unusual situation where we were at 50-50. They were both uh, equally correct, both not completely correct. In fact, both only half correct. Uh, the the Maral takes this and, and explains that, in fact, uh, just about in any discussion, there is always a spectrum of correctness. Whenever there's, a, there's an argument... There's always one position that is more correct than the other, but there's no, almost never a position that's not correct at all. And so he explains uh, another interesting Gemara. The Gemara speaks about being mitahera sheretz, that a fitting scholar had to be able to find a way to argue for the purity of an impure animal. Well, how could that be? The Torah tells us it's an impure animal. So Maharal points out that there's complexity in halacha, and that when the Torah comes to a decision, it's not telling us that the object is 100% one way. Rather, the sheretz, the impure animal, is primarily impure, but it's also pure. There's a pure side to it as well. The Maharal compares this to substances that we have all around us. And he points out, he actually uses an older scientific model of four basic elements, but be that as it may, he points out that all all substances that we see are compound. In other words, water being, again, it's not his example, but I'll use the example for in, in our 
scientific context, water is in fact made up not of just hydrogen, not just of oxygen, but of both, right? It's complex. It's made up of two elements. Um, so were one to say uh, that water is hydrogen would be correct, would one say that it's oxygen would also be correct? The only question is, is more hydrogen, more oxygen? So this, the Maharal explains, is the way not just of natural reality, but it's also the way of spiritual reality. And I would add to that that it's really the way of all reality, meaning human argumentation, um, when we argue, when we see something, we try to explain it, we uh, almost universally never see the complete picture. We'll see one side of the picture. And one of the benefits of arguments is that sometimes other people see a different side of the picture. And as far as decision-making, going back to Lord Balfour and the Parliament, as well as Sanhedrin and the Talmud, uh, we try to find out who is more right. But it's so more mature, and the key word here is nuance to understand argumentation this way. It just came in uh, yesterday, actually, a discussion of a uh, few intellectuals speaking about the political situation in America today. And one, one of the people in the discussion saying, that there is no other side. Well, that's very perplexing to me that there be absolutely no other side. Um, it may well be that there's very little to say on the other side, but that there's no other side whatsoever is not only an exaggeration, it is really a perversion of truth. And it's a dangerous perversion of truth because once one gets that situation where truth is black and white, situations are black and white, it leads to a tremendous level of intolerance, which I think is the big issue that we're fighting with in today's world um, for a variety of reasons. I think that the level of tolerance of the other side has diminished greatly and ultimately creating a, a powder keg that uh, I pray to God will be diffused before it blows up in many countries. Um, it's not a good situation. Okay, so what does that have to do with this week's Parsha? So in this week's Parsha, I apply this notion of nuance, of percentages, of spectrum. I often speak about the spectrum as going uh, from black to white and the whole spectrum in the middle is being gray. I've probably mentioned this before as well on the podcast series. The question is, how gray? Is it more black? Is it more white? So in the case of this week's Parsha, we have an interesting discussion about God taking away Paro's free will. So it appears from a simple reading of the verses. Various commentators argue about this. The Ramban most famously uh, argues that, in fact, God was actually reinforcing the uh, free will of the Pharaoh, of Paro. Uh, read my essay, I come up with a different approach using the notion of nuance. The free will, too, just like almost everything we see, is not black and white. There are some situations where we have more free will, and there are some situations where we have less free will. 
free will also exists on a spectrum. Once we appreciate that, I think the questions of this week's Parsha about God taking Parsha's free will disappear. But in order to understand that, you're going to have to read my essay. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 